the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Everybody online, good morning to you as well. Happy Palm Sunday. This marks the beginning of the most holy week of the church's life, this week. And it's a journey into the great mystery of God's love for us. If you're wondering, what's this all about? What's the point of this whole week? It is to invite you and I to recruit us, not as just observants, observers, but as participants into a great mystery of the love of God for us. And it's moving and terrifying and overwhelming and complex. You're going to experience all kinds of things this week, and I'm so excited to be journeying with you. This week, in particular, comes into perfect focus, not just the idea of God's love, but it is with perfect clarity revealed in the suffering, self-giving love of Jesus of Nazareth. If you want to see what God's love looks like, look at Jesus, and you see it every time. And so you and I, as pilgrims together, as disciples of Jesus, we walk with Jesus, kind of like observing him as we walk with him, asking the question, what kind of God is this? Who is this king? What does this suffering mean? Is it for me? And as you do, and I want to invite you, don't just observe or contemplate, but actually walk with us, with Jesus, and ask those questions all week, all of the liturgies that we have before us. For many of you, this may be your first time. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. Holy Week is life-changing every time I do it. It's wonderful. For many of you, it's, you've maybe done Holy Week a, a bunch of times. But for all of us, no matter how familiar you are with this week and all of our liturgies that we have, the invitation is the same for everyone. Like I just said, to walk with Jesus in his passion and to see for ourselves just how much God loves us. Our readings pick up with Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. That's where we begin this week. He stops at the Mount of Olives, and about, which is about two miles west of Jerusalem. And we find a foreshadowing of this story being told by the prophet uh, Zechariah. In, verse, in chapter 14, verse 9 in particular, who tells of a day when the Lord's feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. That's exactly where Jesus is on his way in. Zechariah says, but that person will be standing on the Mount of Olives as king over all the earth. Not over just Jerusalem, not over just Israel, not over just the people who like him, but over all the earth. And then this Jesus of Nazareth, he calls for a cult to be brought to him, which at this point, if, you don't, if you're not really like well-versed in Old Testament prophecy, which maybe a lot of us aren't, you're like, what's the deal? You've already walked this far. Why not just keep walking? He calls for a cult to be brought to him, which is another... Anytime, by the way, you run into those kind of obscure details in the Bible, your first hunch should be, I think this is like an, a little bit of an inside reference. Something's going on here. Open up the Old, the Old Testament. And in this case, it's Zechariah 9.9. Uh, foreshadows this. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He could have walked, but he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly who he was. He knew this reference in Zechariah. It was actually all about him. He is preparing to enter Jerusalem in the way that Jerusalem receives true kings. He knows exactly what he's doing. And it's not just 
some sort of local king. This is king over all the earth, what Zechariah was prophesying about. And so Luke tells us that as Jesus rode along, you get some more interesting details. The whole multitude of disciples began throwing their cloaks on the ground before him and loudly shouting, as you all did, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? We say that every week, don't we? Now, the reaction of the Pharisees is also another interesting detail in these stories. And I love that the Pharisees always sort of reveal what's really going on in their reactions. It's always helpful to tell, uh, to observe the Pharisees to see what's going on. This isn't just sort of a random set of events, like weird, strange details in a story. But to them, the Pharisees see that this is actually a mounting danger to the Jews and the established peace that they have. He wasn't the first, Jesus wasn't the first to threaten uh, to overthrow the Romans as king or to cause revolt. Most often, this resulted in the Romans brutally punishing the Jews and putting out this rebellion. And people would be murdered by the empire. So this is likely what's part of these Jewish leaders' consideration when they see everything that Jesus is doing. And this is why the Pharisees lean in and say, rebuke your disciples, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't rebuke them. Instead, he insists that they keep going because he is the real king. This was all about him in the first place. He is the one with the rightful claim to the throne, not only in Jerusalem, but in all of the cosmos. And even if he got his disciples to be quiet, creation that has been groaning, as Roman tells us in chapter 8, would cry out itself and say, Hosanna in the highest. (laughs) Wrap your head around this, y'all. Creation itself sees in Jesus of Nazareth its king and would groan. Even if its disciples, it would shout if we kept silent. That's how big of a deal this is. The whole world is awaiting its king. Friends, perhaps this is the hardest work that you will do today. Just wrapping your heads and your imagination around these actual historic events. In this same world that we live in, take your palm, look at it. People had palms like this. They had garments like, feel it. Real people, real stuff in a real place doing this 2,000 years ago. I think it's so easy if you're anything like me, when you read these stories of the Bible, you think like Lord of the Rings or something, like something sort of in that category of like, wow, that's really nuts. But we don't recall that these events unfolded on earth here in Jerusalem, with people like you. Can you imagine? That's a lot of work. Lean in and imagine. Real disciples, just like you and I. Real, a real Palestinian rabbi, who was dirty, probably. Riding on a colt. A real Roman government. A real government. An empire. Jerusalem. An actual place. I know I'm like overdoing that, but I just lean in a little bit here. The whole world receiving its true king in Jesus of Nazareth. But the thing about this king, and the world's seen kings before, the world has never seen a king like this. Never seen a king like this. His kingdom, the way he does power, 
the way he enters Jerusalem, his throne and everything about him is unlike anything we've ever known or see by rulers, by kings, by powers. And whether or not that you can really fathom what kind of king he is or whether or not you can really wrap your head around the fact that this happened in the real, in the real world, this is actually who he is. And this is the work that is actually underway. Whether or not we can wrap our heads around it or not. And that's actually really good news. Let me put it this way. Jesus isn't received as king only if you can really wrap your head around that. He's king. He's king. And he comes to sit on his throne. So this week, we may not totally understand all of these strange stories and liturgies that we got going on this week. And all of them, by the way, are revealing this point that this is King Jesus who comes to take his throne. We may not know exactly how he's doing what he's doing. We may not understand um, why he has to endure suffering. We may have, you find lots of questions this week as Jesus enters into his passion to sit on his throne, which is such an unexpected throne to us. We may not understand a lot. But he's still coming to take his throne. Still. And on top of that, all of this is for our sake. He does this for us, even despite us at times. That while we were still sinners, while you and I still had doubts or questions, while you and I are confused and lost in our lives, King Jesus still comes to take his throne in our life and in the world. Even when we don't know, even when we don't understand, even when we are not aware, his self-giving love is still at work to rescue every single one of you. Amen. And me. I want to end on that too. And this rescue, this rescue, this reign as king isn't just spiritual. Can we camp out on this for a second? It's not some sort of like sentimental, internal, private spirituality that's like, well, that's cute. That's cool. Good for you, Jesus. Why, why else would Rome be so concerned about this if it was just a merely internal, private sort of spiritual thing? Why? Because they understood that this Jesus came to establish a real kingdom with real human beings in this real world that all belongs to him. His reign and rule is comprehensive. It's not limited to your mind, imagination, or heart, or your private lives. The reign of Christ is comprehensively real. There's no inch of creation that doesn't belong to him that he isn't staking his claim over this week. Yikes. That's good news, but that's also kind of terrifying, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Come, Lord Jesus. It's comprehensive. And the mysterious truth of the matter is that because Jesus of Nazareth began this work, you and I now stand in totally different territory. This is a different kind of world. It's hard to see his kingdom. But you and I, we now stand in that kingdom of his reign and rule. Maybe you're like me, and you struggle to see your life as actually being lived out under the comprehensive reign and rule of Jesus. Man, that's hard. But that's the truth. And we got a whole week to let that sink in, y'all. Governments may not acknowledge his kingdom. People may not believe in him, even his disciples like you and I. We may have our doubts about him. 
But this changes nothing about reality. His kingdom is breaking in. And the king is being welcomed by the whole church today throughout the globe. Saying, Hosanna in the highest and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That ancient song of Israel. The way that Israel would welcome its kings with those words. The church now sings and shouts welcoming King Jesus. We just relived that whole story. That whole sequence of events. From the Mount of Olives in the parking lot, you might say. Into the gates of God's temple. Imagine Jesus riding into our church on a colt. How strange that would be. With us waving palms. Can you see it in your head? And we say to him, Jesus, come take your throne. Amen. I know that sounds weird to imagine a donkey in here. But we would be more in touch with reality if we could imagine that than anything else. Like that's, it's that real. Jesus, we're welcoming him in today again. Even though he goes unseen, it is no less true that he comes to reign. We may not understand exactly what kind of king he is, but he still is king and he still reigns. So friends, I want to leave, with, uh, leave you with these questions as we kind of enter into Holy Week together. Ask these, this is the question that's been on my heart as I enter into Holy Week in 2022. Jesus, what kind of king are you? <laughs> Lord, <laughs> are you Lord what kind of king are you who is this Jesus who goes out of his way to suffer and die for my sake to come and reign and rule in my life for me who is this I thought I knew who this was and every year we enter holy week and I'm like "Ah, I feel like I've never met this person he doesn't come with tanks He doesn't come with coercive power. He doesn't come with a Twitter account manipulation. He comes humbly on a donkey for our sake. By his wounds, we will be healed. And this is how he comes. For who? For you? For me? That's insane to me. He doesn't come with fine clothes. He comes dusty and dirty. He doesn't come with insults. But he comes with blessing. He comes with self-offering. He comes with suffering love. Friends, that is so moving and unfathomable to me. That's the kind of king we need, is it not? We know nothing of that kind of king. Except for him. Goodness. So, y'all, let's journey then this holy week and come and discover just exactly who this King Jesus is. This one who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. And let us witness that because he was obedient unto the point of death, even death on a cross, that now God the Father highly exalts him over all of eternity, over all of creation, over all of you. I don't have some sort of life applications for you guys today. But there's a reason I don't. Because Palm Sunday and all of Holy Week isn't really about like, oh, how can I like clean things up? No, 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 no. What Holy Week is about is an announcement that Jesus is coming to take his throne. It's just a headline. Deal with it. (laughs) May we then be ready to announce that headline. 
to receive him as king, waving palms, not just now, but the rest of the week, saying, yes, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus, help me to see you more clearly. Who is this King Jesus that we travel with this week? So, friends, let's take a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to us more deeply, more freshly than maybe we've ever seen before exactly the mystery of God's love that we see in Jesus of Nazareth this morning. Amen? Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.